public opinion is a weak tyrant compared with our own private opinion. What a man thinks of himself, that is which determines or rather indicates his fate. Throw. Ooh, I always like some David Throw, but today. Going deep. Going uh, deep there, Jeff. Threw the, I threw a deep one for you to think about, Jason. When you're taking Maddox to karate, his old ninja shit tonight, you can like think about that deep throw quote and like just how does that are you a little public tyrant or are you a little private tyrant to yourself but today it was always ladies and gentlemen we are against the grain we are with chris tuttle he is one of the most accomplished nutritionists out there in the health and fitness space a badass educator as i just told him before we went live as far as being able to take complex things and making them simple and today we want to talk about nutrition and knowing us it'll probably go down all sorts of rabbit holes maybe we'll be all talk about our moms and crying and shedding tears by the end of this, like we did before we went live. But uh, as we always do with tradition, um, oh, real quick, for those asking about the seminar, tickets are going to go on sale the first week of December. It'll be a hundred bucks. I'm not rushing because everybody doesn't rush and gets them last minute. We're not going anywhere. I'm going to be honest, 50 of those tickets are already spoken for. We only have a hundred. I'm getting hit up left and right in my DMs. Yeah. People that are coming. It, it's going to be a big one. We got Cameron Cheek. We've got Benazita. We got Jason Theobald. We've got Taylor DeHaas. Um, shit, I'm missing a whole bunch. Haley, Justin right. Haley. There's a bunch. Um, Lacey Dunn. Lacey Dunn. John Gorman. Brandon DeCruz. Laura Conlon. I mean, it's a stacked ass ticket. Um, hundred bucks. All the money goes to benefit uh, Vanderbilt Children's Hospital here in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the one of the leading researchers uh, for my brittle bone disease. Osteogenesis yeah. and Perfecta. So we're going to raise $10,000 for them. Uh, feel free to come. The coaches are actually not getting paid for this who are presenting. They're coming on their own free dime to do this. So come and support it. It's going to be for a good cause. As always, we have a great time when we get together. We'll be announcing more and going that. So follow our socials, listen to the podcast, share, all that good stuff. Well, that being said, how has your all's last seven days been? I'm going to go with you real quick, Robo. Looks like you live like the life of a maniac out there. Uh, unfortunately... Yeah, that's how it always is these days, but it's good, man. Business is cranking. No one thinks the economy is going to slow down who's spending money. Um, I feel like we're uh, we're heading for some cliff or something, but uh, for now, it's a good time to make as much as you can. Yeah, I agree. I recently put I mean, I've been following. I, I think the interest rates, I don't know. It doesn't sound like they're going to keep jacking them up. I don't know. Well, it's yeah, not I working. think the damage is done, though. They use yeah. all trailing indicators, and they raised them so much. By the time it catches up with us, it's too late to correct it. You almost got to start lowering a little bit now. There's no doubt inflammation is absolutely ridiculous. That's inflammation? Sure. I mean, inflammation. And, yeah. You're like, <laughs> I like inflammation. Yeah, I actually, sorry, put some of my money in money markets that's just sitting rather than sitting yep. in my bank account and stuff like that. Yep. So at least it's getting it over 4%. So good for you, man. I know you work hard. I know you've been slaving those 80 hour weeks because you come in with the bags under your eyes to prove it. So uh, keep it up. What about you, Scoob? How was your last seven days? What have you done this, Ben Exotic? I see your delts are firmly round. Did you get a little pump before you came on? No, it was a day's off day. I would be way more jacked if I got a pump, dude. No, I'm kidding. But I know it was an off day. Um, and so let's see. Um Lots of good stuff going on. Uh, New Ethics is doing great. We um, we had uh, an October that was 45% better than last year. So wow. um, congratulations to you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Everything's on the up and up. It's going well. Um, Scooby Prep's great. I bet I've had 20 inquiries in the last eight days, maybe. Um, so everything's great there. I'm really shocked 
that people are really still hiring coaching right now going into, you know, Thanksgiving, but, but they are. Um, so everything's been great there this last weekend. It was the first weekend. I didn't have a soccer game with a child. I didn't have a basketball game. I didn't have to go out of town. We literally did absolutely nothing other than go out to two nice dinners and then go to the gym. It was fucking beautiful. Um, <laughs> doesn't happen much, but man, it was nice. Um, I don't know, dude, there's not much to complain about. It's 74 here in Kentucky. I'm sitting in my uh, dining room, looking at the lake behind my house, the dogs out sunning and talking to you. Great gents. So it's a good day. Nice. 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 My last week comprised of one, I found someone to print my book. So I'm going to be able to do 500 hard copies yes. and buy them at a fixed price and start working at it that way. Um, so that's good. And I'm waiting on the cover back from Diana from Stevens partner and that's supposedly gonna be in two weeks well, or less. where are you going to distribute most are you going to still use amazon or since you're not using their printing or are you not able to i'm going to use amazon for paperback okay so audible i'm going to begin recording with our friend joey here in nashville him and jimmy have sound recording studios okay so i'm going to kind of begin recording that with them okay. um and then what you do is release that like a year later um to kind of like repump the book and stuff like that but the hardcover will be once I pay back what I caught the cost of the book will be pure profit. So okay. So what you're printing the 500 of is a hard, a hard Correct. copy cover. Mm -hmm. And then Amazon will be uh, like a like paperback. paperback. And, yeah. Okay. Yep. And I'm going to sign them all. If you want me to write like Jason, I know I've seen your penis and it is absolutely amazing. Let's do uh, that. Love Jeff. I will, I will, I will. Funny story. He really accidentally did send me a dick pic once. I did. Uh, and I, I did. waited over 24 hours before I said a word to him. I was, I was and, and waiting for my girlfriend to show up. Yeah. yeah pretty embarrassing. Yes. So, so how about Chris Tuttle on the show today? Yeah. Um, but other than that, I took the kids to see Metallica and Pantera. Uh, that was super cool of an experience for them to see Metallica and Pantera. Keegan cried. During Pantera's walk, I didn't realize that was his favorite song. So he's like, oh, it's emotional shit. So it's cool to see his dad. And otherwise, yeah, business has been good, man. I've kind of just been cruising <laughs> along like you all. I think everybody's in cruise control and kind of like, oh, this shit's still going along. All right. <laughs> you know, another month. But uh, with that being said, Chris, thank you for taking the time to listen to our shenanigans these last seven days. How's your last seven days been? And then I want to introduce you to our audience and kind of begin I'm breaking this episode or I'm, I'm hacking this episode, should I say, for everybody. Sure. Um, last seven days, honestly, been pretty tough because I had a wonderful vacation prior to that for eight days in Hawaii. So, oh, yeah. As you guys know, coaching and vacations don't work. So, I mean, you come back to quadruple the work. And I had to work a little bit every day. I worked about 35, 45 minutes every morning before anybody got up. I went with my best friends in Oahu. And uh, just just to answer the prep people who were within, you know, under 12 weeks out. So answering all them and it was fine. But I come back to like over 200 emails on Monday, you know, catch the red eye night back. And then you're like, can't sleep. And everybody's like, did you get my email? Did you get my email for those people that somehow don't see the auto response that I'm away? And then they send double the email. And then once they answer one email, they're like, did you see my other email? I'm like, bro, haven't gotten there yet. Relax. You're slowing me down. So it took me almost a full seven days to catch up. Yeah. Um, and then of course, adapting back to the sleep schedule because Hawaii was what, six hours behind, uh, um, CST. So that was a little bit of a struggle, but I'm very grateful. It was a great vacation, probably the best vacation I've had almost ever. Um, experiences are great. A lot of laughters, weed, booze, tremendous amount of food, really good food, poke bowls. I mean, dude, 
a pound of ahi tuna, fresh ahi tuna for $10. Oh, wow. Um, if they check my mercury level by the time I left, <laughs> it'd be probably expensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was great. Business is, I'm, you know, just like you guys, business for me has been just a blessing, but I haven't really been able to take on many clients of the last few months. And I don't plan on for next few months to try to lighten the load a little bit because yeah, you know, when you're working all the time, all the time, then you're like, geez, I'm 40 years old. And I see all these people doing all these fun things. I'm like, I want to do that. So I need a little more free time for myself to do other things I want to do besides just every single day, just hammer on the computer. Um, you know, I developed a product, uh, hydration, drink more, um, you can check out drinkmore.com. It's basically a water enhancer that has added minerals to it, but not minerals that you can consume on a daily basis to incentivize adequate hydration a day. Not something that if you overconsume, you're going to get like, you know, pitting edema in your ankles. Um, but it, everything's been crazy busy. You know, it's, you know how it is guys. It's like trying to find that balance of, you know, of happiness, free time, but also your success goals. So it's a lot, it's a lot. You know, it's funny you bring that up about like trying to like maybe not take more, find a little better with less. So I met with my financial planner last week and he's like, man, as long as you continue on this path, dude, in 10 years, you're pretty set. He's like, you just have to keep this pace. I'm like, well, man, this pace isn't hard to keep, you know? And, and now I'm like, what do I do with this other little bit of time that maybe will open up from making this decision, you know? And then leads to a whole bunch of things, but it's interesting once you get past 40, I think Jay's kind of been the same way. Kind of like, where, where, how do you kind of trim it down and get some of the fat off where it's a it's a machine for you that you really thrive in and can check out of and it manages itself pretty well um, with minimal effort, so. It's yeah, so, well, another thing is like, I tell my wife, I'm like, how much money do you need? Like, we're not lavish people. So yeah. it's like, as long as I can buy the food that I want to buy, I go on the vacations I want to go on, and you know, if go to the weekend. I I can spend four dollars on a dinner and not be like, oh, I want to. I got to budget this. I mean, like you know, I, we don't have nice cars. We, we have one car and we share it because we don't give a crap about cars. That's not our thing. But food's our thing. As long yeah. as we can do what we want to do, that's all I want. And not not importantly, like now it's like I want time to go do things. Yeah, you know? <clears throat> that's it. I mean, I've been through the full gamut. Um, I do like my cars, but I'm not pretty lavish otherwise, but I, I bought the big house, one for me, sold it, <laughs> uh, bought the small house. Um, it, you, you, it's tough to know when's enough, what's enough. And then I guess the scariest part is if you do slow down, you don't want it to keep slowing down. So it's like, if I pull back, is it going to just keep pulling back? So that's always a fear for me. So, um, I don't think I've found the right answer yet, to be honest with you. Um, so I just, kind of keep grinding and saving and grinding and saving. And then I think eventually my financial guy be like, yeah, man, it's plenty. So <laughs> I don't know. Someone's probably going to hit me over the head and tell me rather than me knowing. So. Well, Jason, uh, check this out. I mean, how many times I'm sure we've all done this where we thought we were chasing something that was ultimately going to lead to a feeling that never came. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then yeah. you're there and you're like, well, <laughs> I have what I was shooting for, but I feel more like shit than I was two years yeah. ago. Yep. That's how it money. was. I got the house. I'm like, money, why am money, I spending money. this mortgage money? I could be putting this in my savings just because you have it doesn't mean you spend it. So, yeah. um, and it didn't make me any happier. So, but I think and you got to find those things out. And you know? toys and experiences. You know what right. I mean? That's yeah. where it's at. Yeah. yeah I agree with you 100%. <clears throat> I thought getting some of the things I had in life would make me feel a certain way. 
and then I examine things like, for example, my gym isn't something I ever aspire to have, but it brings me joy and I enjoy doing it because I like fucking working out in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I want it to be where it's an experience for me. And it, the byproduct is everybody else gets great experience because I want that experience. But you have that thing, a well-oiled machine. I mean, other than oh, you yeah. training some people in it and training yourself. You kind of walk in and it's like, yep, this runs itself, you know? Yeah, so. no, I, I kiss babies and shake hands when I'm in there. Right. And right. <laughs> I, I'm, I smile. Jason, knows. we were He's giving nice. him shit this morning because he likes to rearrange it to yeah. like move the machines to make it there probably doesn't like any of that optimal back. Yeah, training zones <laughs> well, so he's fairness, getting ready to do it yet again in <laughs> fairness the gym is about to be rearranged because i just bought a big arsenal like cable crossover pull down cable unit so now i'm going to have six pull down units i'll have five cable crossover units in my gym mm-hmm. and like in we're going to have to reorder it but can't it's there's job she has to do it and i'm like well, i mean if you want to be miserable have fun. So the weekend we're in Austin next weekend is the weekend yep. that this big operation is going down, but they're pretty much flipping my gym. Got it. Uh, so, but it's that whole upgrade thing, man. Like I told well, you, I look forward to seeing it in what February. Yeah, February? yeah it'll be different. It's going to be weird how we're going to do it all, but I think it'll be better. But anyway, yeah. let's get into this. We're going to yeah, go down a whole deep dive of like sure. sadness. They'll lead us to drinking before it's even four. In the <laughs> um, Chris, man. Well, let's get a little bit about who you are. What kind of got you? bodybuilding right like you know when did that kind of start for you and and how did that evolve and where did it go and let's get to that or where we're at now all there. right it, it's kind of a long story but i'll keep it very to the bullet points um i've always in my group of friends growing up as probably you guys were too we were i was very physically fit with one of my other friends right we were always the ones that were climbing over the fence the fastest climbing the fastest tree reaching to the end of the driveway or the bus stop before anybody else. So physical fitness was always something I was interested in pull-ups, push-ups, uh, et cetera. Um, but I was mainly in love with racing dirt bikes. I loved dirt bikes since I was four years old. Um, I got my first bike when I was four. I started racing around age nine, um, race that's, I was obsessed with racing all the way through a high school. I turned professional racing in 2001. Oh, wow. Um, but during that time of racing, my parents got me a trainer. She's like, my dad, my parents like, well, you've shown that you're very focused in this and you want this. We will spend the money to hire a trainer. So most motocross trainers guy was maniac. He would totally get canceled today. Let me tell you. Um, and, uh, he built a training program for me, wrote a diet for me. Um, he was also a motocross coach, took care of everything. And, um, when I started eating a certain way, very young around 10, 11, and gave me some weight training programs, which is more conducive, you could say, like a CrossFit style training, uh, very high speed, very intense for like a full 25, 30 minutes. And my body responded quickly. And I remember being sixth grade, girls being like, oh my God, you have abs, <laughs> shoulders. And I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't even recognize that on myself as that wasn't normal. Um, and I was like, oh, I, I get attention from this. Mm-hmm. So then I picked up some, you know, Flex Magazine, Iron Man, seventh grade. Being like, how else can I build bigger muscles? <laughs> Looking at ways to train to build bigger muscles. And my trainer like takes my magazines for me at the motocross track. He's like, you can't train like that and race motocross. He goes, that's like trying to be a sumo wrestler and run a marathon at the fastest pace. Like you can't do that. You got to be running, biking, swimming, some basic strength training, mm-hmm. et cetera. I need you light, no arm pump. Mm-hmm. But I always would sneak in curls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did notice right away how much better I felt nutrition-wise with the way he was telling me to eat. And he was a very, uh, I guess you could call it now, a macro-based 
uh, ideology where every meal has to be complete. Um, he's like, dude, protein should be at least, you know, 40% of the meal. The other 40% should be carbohydrates. The other 20% should be fats. He never had me weigh anything, but he's like eyeballing it, roughly like getting an idea and help me formulating meals. And I'll eat like that. And I felt better. Um, but prior to that, one thing I did miss, I was diagnosed with hypoglycemia at a young age. So like, I remember doing the glucose, uh, the glucose test and blood glucose being at like back to 80 after ingesting like 120 grams of sugar within <laughs> like 45 minutes to an hour. And then it would plummet. So eating that way was obviously conducive to hypoglycemia, which made me feel better. Weight training for motocross made me look a certain way. And I always wanted to like lift to build muscle, but I couldn't because racing was my priority. Once I turned professional, you know, I mean, racing, I'm sure I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. It's, it's, pre, it's a young man, per, a young man sport, and it's pretty unrealistic to manage that much injuries every year. Because I was breaking a bone almost every year. I was going to ask you what your worst injury was because my friend's uh, son, or kind of an acquaintance, his son's in it, and he's hurt like a lot. I mean, he's good at what he does, but he's hurt a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It comes with it. It's like if you're a boxer, you're going to get punched in the face. All right. You know what I mean? Like if you're a bodybuilder, you're going to tear a muscle eventually. Um, but as motocross, it was a bone every year. And then eventually as I get older, I was like, man, I, was like, I don't know if I want to keep feeling like this because, you know, you break a bone when you're 15 versus 22, it's different. You know, when you're 22, you start thinking a little differently, like, oh, dude, that really hurt. I don't know if I want to do that again. When you're 15, you're like, when can it heal so I can get back on the bike? Um, but when I stopped racing, I immediately wanted to bodybuild right away. Um, and then I legitimately went cold turkey, no racing and went all into bodybuilding for my first show in 2005. And that's kind of how it started. And I just wanted to do it um, because I liked weight training. And it was now it's like, oh, I can lift weights and not break bones and save all this money because racing is terribly expensive, um, especially if you don't have a lot of sponsors and sponsors don't really get excited about a 22 year old. You know, they're excited about the young kids coming up. Yeah, <clears throat> so that's kind of how it started. And then uh, my my uh, major was exercise science when I first started college. Then I immediately changed to nutrition because I wanted to learn everything I could about nutrition. Competed all through college um, and my master's and my internship. And I just, that's what I wanted to do. And my whole business model that I have now was really by accident. It was, I had some guy help me from a bodybuilding show, the first show. Didn't do great. I picked up all Chris Azito's books, read them all, applied some basic principles, basic progression. Um did a, the show a year later with 12 pounds heavier stage weight, better conditioning. And then I ended up winning. And then a guy at my local gym's like, Hey man, can you help me with my show? And like, unlike people today where someone does one show and they're expert. I said to this dude, like, listen, man, I got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just did one show. I did it myself. So I can't help you. And he comes back to me like a couple yeah. days later. He's like, come on, dude, help me. You know something, you know more than me. So how about I pay you some money and you can help me do your best you can. Okay. Then I did. He did well, better than last year. Then his friend goes, Hey, what'd you do? And that's how it started. I never intended to have a business myself. I just wanted to be a registered dietitian working in a hospital in a clinical setting in the ICU or oncology. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what I was set to do. And then eventually this just kept snowballing, snowballing, snowballing until I was like, I'm making more money working 15 oh, yeah. hours a week as a diet as a on an online coach and i am working 40 hours a week as a dietitian and then eventually i just snipped the cord bailed out of the hospital and then worked full-time then eventually my wife joined me and then eventually just got a hand and now we're just trying to figure out a way to 
have a more balanced life because as you guys know, working this many hours for this many years, eventually you're like, my age and everything's passing me by. I want to yep. start doing other stuff now. Yeah. Your, your story isn't much unlike mine. Um, I started because of soccer, you know, so I started just strength training for a sport. And then it got to the point where um, junior year, uh, my best friend beat me out for the starting role and I'm traveling around the college and playing 15 minutes and I'm losing weight. And I'm like, I'm just going to go all into this bodybuilding thing now. I wasn't at a school where I could, you know, study nutrition. I was at a small little liberal arts school. Um, and then, you know, same thing. Like I was just doing shows and people would be like, we, we prepped me and I did, I did shit for free for, for a long time. Um, and, you know, and then finally, finally start charging. But as people were asking me, I wasn't really, I was a lawyer. I wasn't really trying to create a business. It just kind of found me. Um, so it's funny how those things kind of, kind of work out, you know? Um, it, you know, so. it's funny too, how P I'm sure people ask you this, they go, Hey, how'd you get started in your business? I want to copy your business model. I'm like, listen, bro, I never had one. It was just, right, it right. just progressed. And then I went with it and, and then, mm -hmm. you know, you refine things to be more efficient and then you have a better system. And then you have this and you have that. There was no like marketing mm -hmm. one. <laughs> no. And, and that's what I tell, like, you know, I have coaches that come on under me and I say, listen, I can educate you, but I am not a marketer. And so I have someone on my team who's grown from 2000 to a $30,000 coach in like 18 months. I pay her to educate my new coaches on how to do the marketing because it wasn't really how I built my business. You know, I was up on the stage and people in the gyms were asking me, then I was on message boards and it wasn't really like, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. It was kind of like, ah, this will be vacation money. That's what I thought. You know, if I make an extra 10 grand a year and you know, I make my six figures as a lawyer, I'm good, you know, and then it just kind of snowballed. So I, I feel you, you know, oh, the marketing thing. Oh my God. I'll, I'll, I'll be flat out with you guys. I hate social media. So like when, when you guys mm -hmm. see me post something educational, that's pulling teeth for me. Mm -hmm. Like I honestly yeah. don't get any gratification from it. I don't like to do it. I personally think for me, it's a waste of time. My wife's like, you should still do it. You should still do it. And I'm like, it doesn't make me direct money. If I stopped social media completely, it doesn't affect anything, which is funny. I got my Instagram canceled because I got impersonating somebody else for three months and oh, wow. nothing changed my business. Nothing. Oh, wow. Damn. The the, the rate of inquiries was never changed. Enough. So at first I was nervous, but I mean, I built my business a lot around nutrition related disease and weight loss. So like, that's not going to affect my fitness industry, right? If a fitness industry changes, that doesn't affect my, my income in that regard. Um, but I just, I have a lot of trouble with it. And like you, man, if I had to have somebody do marketing, it's like, I got to pay somebody to do it because it's painstaking for me. Painstaking. Yep. I hear you. So how, <laughs> given that you're in, you work with a lot of prep clients, stuff like that, my mind immediately goes to the attrition question of how vastly different is the world of like what we do in the competition realm different than what most gen pop people even comprehend and even what they teach you guys in school, because you often see the war of the bodybuilder coaches or coaches being like, fuck those nutritionists. They don't know what they're talking about. They go to school. They're taught to look at this and that. I'm curious to kind of go down that road because it sounds to me really interesting that you're reading or wanting to do on a nutritional related diseases. And, and before you I'll answer that, uh, I don't know if our listeners know, but you're a registered dietitian, correct? Right. Yeah. Registered dietitian. That's where Jeff's head in that question. Yep. 
Yeah, so there's two parts to that question. Um, I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, what they teach you in school is very outdated. It's very basic. Yeah. They don't teach you calorie balance. They don't teach you. They teach you metabolic adaptation within the setting of elderly patients when you're refeeding people. But it's not by any means metabolic adaptation in regards to low calorie diet for somebody trying to lose weight. They don't teach you any of that. They don't teach you carb cycling. They teach you a balance, you know, everything the USDA regurgitates. Um, and because they have to follow the code of ethics and what the evidence-based practice is. And it's honestly, I mean, I'll say it's a load of crap. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot about nutrition related disease, like, you know, managing different disease states when someone's on a ventilator and their CO2 is high, how you have to adjust their carbohydrates, like, you know, and their nutrition, like TPNs and reading their labs and adjusting those, uh, micronutrients in the TPN bags, like that kind of stuff. But in regards to like application of fat loss and it's, it wasn't there, you know, my master's nutrition taught me a lot with regards to research and what certain, in other words, one of them was, was the effects of alcohol and nutrition. So we studied all these studies on alcohol related nutrition, how it affects your body and long-term, short-term, how, what nutrition related uh, issues come with alcohol. So that was interesting. That was something that like I took, learned a lot from it. The other one was mortality, morbidity rate with people who eat a very balanced diet versus people who rely on synthetic vitamins and minerals. And obviously you guys are, you know, the outcome to that people who have balanced fruits and vegetables without synthetic vegetables, uh, without synthetic vitamins live way longer. Um, so it, that type of information, I feel helped me more decipher through the crap that we all see on a daily basis. When you see people make claims on the internet and I'll look at it right away. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Let's look at the study. Like kind of like Lane Norton actually looks at the study or people just read two lines from the abstract and they have no idea what they're looking at. And they form a conclusion or they look at, you know, Joe Blow's interpretation uh, on news station of a particular study and that everybody's all wiling out. But when you actually look at the study, that's not what it says. So I would say my education has really helped me feed through that crap. Um, but I, I had to learn a lot of that myself. Uh, outside of, um, you know, my education with school. Um, but it, it's drastically different in that regard. And most people are right. Nutritionists are, they kind of put themselves in a box. And unfortunately, a lot of people, just like any job, people choose a job just to choose a job. They're just, this is their school. This is their degree. This is where I'm going to work. They come home. They don't live, eat, breathe nutrition. They don't, you know? Uh, so you get people that are afraid to look outside the box and stay within their educational uh, realm. And they just, that's why people always be like, dietitians can't work with them. They don't know anything. I got nowhere with them. It's because they're regurgitating what the USDA said. There's a lot of RDs that are good, but honestly, vast majority, in my opinion, are not well-versed like we are in regards to manipulating body composition, sports performance, et cetera. They're just not, unless they specialize in that field. Yeah. What's your thoughts on, and you've been doing this for over 20 years, the actual competition side and the coaching side, what have you seen trend-wise in our industry through nutrition that you've been like, hey, that was like, that's really good. And what have you seen nutrition-wise on a trend that's been, holy shit, that's really bad. And, you know, you should never want to explore that. And then from there, I want to kind of get into micronutrients and guys, you guys got anything to pepper in? I think one of the things that sticks out the most is the overconsumption of protein intake. I remember when it first started, I was like, 
I know what the RDA states and I know what like burn victims can utilize, you know, m- amount of grams per kilogram of body weight when someone's severely burned in a hospital setting. And then I see like bodybuilders, you know, protein intake. And then people are like, well, they're on roids so they can absorb more. I'm like, roids make you more efficient. So like, there's not exactly a synergistic effect. And I've never been an advocate of that. I mean, I've prepped myself on four ounces of meat before as a heavyweight. And I look fine. I I was able to eat more carbohydrates, obviously. Um, So that is changed because now you people like John Jewett live like, you know, um, live, eat, breathing it and making crazy ground in his physique and eating protein. That's way less than say what Milos would recommend, right? Milos oh. 600 grams a day. And then there's yeah. John weighing 230 pounds, eating 250 grams a day, you know? Yeah. So th- I think that's something that used, to, I always thought was crap. And then, um, and then it's kind of catching on more people are like a middleweight doesn't need to eat 14 ounces of protein per meal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> And then, and then they wonder why they smell so bad and their gut's so fucked up. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. Yeah. It, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like you start over consuming so much protein. Now you're going to limit the amount of other nutrients you're going to be missing out of the diet because the calories are going to be so high from the protein. Um, and then obviously the other thing I think people are, are changing and a positive good is uh, the gut health, micronutrient, more variety of food. Oh. I'm getting more inquiries of competitors that already have a general ideology of that. Where before, if you mentioned that 10 years ago, they look at you like, what? I just need to eat sloppy Joe mixed white rice and beef. I'm good, you know? And now they're more like, oh, I got to cycle my food a little bit. got to change things around. I'm incorporating sauerkraut, bubbies, they're refrigerated like 30 grams twice per day. They're doing all these other things to help their real health. Um, because you know what it is, you find out real quick that without your gut health, you can't grow shit. <laughs> well, okay, so then... I know you've done a podcast with Milos and all that. So given you, he's what, like five and 600 grams of protein. You're basically saying like, Hey, at that point, you're better off just putting that into carbohydrates and or fats or something like that is what you're getting at in comparison. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I haven't worked with top, you know, my, I have an open bodybuilder that plays fifth at Texas pro. Yeah. Jordan Hutchinson. Yeah. He was just on. Yeah. I I haven't worked with a ton of huge guys. So like, I know there's a lot of anecdote uh, to what we do and with our experience and what works for some people that work for others, but I just can't grasp in my head how somebody would need 500 grams of protein a day when they are in a calorie surplus. I, I just, I, I just don't, I can't, I can't get my head around that. I, I know what people say and I know Milos has changed so many people, you know, and, and given them more food. And is that what's happening? I don't know. I, I just know that like, that's not required. It's not necessary. And in, in in light of this, I will say this. If somebody's consuming 500 grams of protein and they're growing and they're getting stronger and they come to me and they're running this for gear, they're getting great progress, their gut's fine. I'm probably not going to change it, right? right? It's like, why am I changing this? Yep. But if they're coming to eat 500 grams of protein and they're like, their gut's a mess, they have poor appetite, they're distended, then like, I'm going to make some changes then. Because obviously what they're doing is probably reaching havoc on their, their gut microflora, you know? So that's kind of my thought process and behind that, because uh, you can't argue a lot of the results that Milos has had with his, with his, with his clients. So there's that. But as you guys know, he's also working with some of the best athletes of all time. Right. And we've all worked with genetic freaks that blow our mind, right? Kind of like you're looking at their progress in one week and you're like, 
you didn't cut any more food? They're like, no. You take any more gear? They're like, no. I'm like, did you do more cardio? They're like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is insane. <laughs> you know, you look at the pictures and they're changed. So the genetic yeah. outliers kind of ruin it for a lot of people's understanding of nutrition. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You know, I mean, there are those guys and even gals who can house down 400 grams, you know, at, at 200 pounds and they're, they're fine. I know I'd be a mess. I remember a uh, quick story. When I was competing, I had a local guy do my diet. That was a bantam weight. I didn't know anything about tracking macros. He just would give me the diet and I'd, I'd, I'd follow it. And I started posting it online. I remember back on uh, muscular development. And one of the guys on there was like, man, you have good shape. I can help you. He's like, but you ain't going to get in good shape on that diet. It's way too much protein. He's like, go plug it into some site. It was 320 grams and I was going to compete at 143. Oh. And, and I, and I never did. My glutes wouldn't come in. My quads were always, my, I, I always had lean abs because they just weren't, didn't carry much fat. He put me on like, I don't know, 185 protein and gave me like 300 carbs. I'm eating all these potatoes. It felt like I was cheating. It was the best I ever looked. <laughs> and it helped me so much with my business because everyone was coming to me like, how the hell did you just learn when in Northern Kentucky, when like six months ago, you got fifth at like the monster mash. And I'm like, well, you know, I did this. I ate less protein. I had that allowed me way more carbs. And they're like, sign me up for that. I want to work with you. And it was just simply all these guys. That's what they would do. These diets around here would be way too much protein. I couldn't handle it. I was gassy. I was bloated. I was miserable. Another guy might have handled it just fine. So, I mean, you know, but I, I, I agree with you. I think overall, the overall high, high, like 10 ounces of cooked meat every meal is just it, it, it wreaks havoc on a lot of people's digestion. So, And it's like, are you going to be able to eat 10 ounces of meat and two cups of rice and vegetables? No, because, you know, the bodybuilder goes, I don't need the vegetables. Right. I don't need any of these fiber foods. Yeah. I'll just stick to white rice and then meat. <laughs> yep. So yep. that leads me to my next question on the road, but I want you to go with where you want to next because I think mine will kind of wrap this out at this one point. When you're building a diet then, and I know we all have our own preferred way, the three of us, because we work on this. But how do you usually assemble someone's diet if they're wanting to compete? So we'll just use that as a marker. And then you could use a gym pop one if you want to, it's whatever. But are you like also telling them to focus on the micronutrients? Like, are you really like, because I, I mean, I'll be honest, dude, Jason knows when he first got me, I had a coach who love him, nicest guy ever. But I did a whole prep at six weeks out with tilapia and asparagus for literally six meals. Yeah. and just by the time i mean i was wrecked for a whole year i could i couldn't gain weight couldn't drop weight no matter what i did if i i was almost scared to death of eating you know and i wasn't going to stop working out so i created it and jason had helped me untangle that but now i look back on it and i see those diets coming back and i'm like oh my god those things are so archaic so where do you lie on that with everything you've said about protein yeah well first off i think i think a lot of people who don't have the experience or education make changes nutritionally based on in theory right in their mind in theory this should work if i go to extremes with low low fat high protein and vegetables they're going to be leaner if i just keep adding cardio cardio and cardio they're going to get leaner if i add more and more clean t3 they're going to get leaner i think a lot of people operate that way that don't have that educational understanding um but typically generally like i usually base a lot of things on what they were doing if a general population lady comes to me and she's eating 50 grams of protein a day, I'm not having her eating 150 grams of protein off the rip. She's not going to do it. Her, her adherence is going to be total crap. I might work it up to 75 grams. You know, oh, what do you like to eat? Oh, I hate chicken. Oh, okay. 
So what about, you know, higher protein breads, you know, and start to try to get other protein that she can eat that's sustainable for yeah. that person. So general population is about sustainability. Without sustainability, there's absolutely nothing. Um, but I would like for them to at least eat one gram of protein per their ideal body weight, because obviously general population, they can be obese, right? So I'm not going to put, you know, a lady who's 275 pounds eating 275 grams of protein, right? So right. we see that though. And it's, yeah. the, it's the biggest mistake you can. Uh, yeah, I see that. Know. Yep. I see that. I actually find more of a keto approach with that kind of protein intake. And then it just not putting them in a keto does really well when they're obese like that from what I have seen. Yeah. And the other thing too, it's like adherence might generally yep. be low long term. Yep. That's what I worry about because most people who are overweight lose the weight, get it right back. So we got, I got to find a sustainable approach for them in the long term because as you guys know, statistically, America's getting fatter, but yet we're losing more weight all the time, but we're gaining it all back. People keep using the wrong methods to lose that weight. Um, for a competitor, I usually will, I usually am between one gram and one and a half grams of protein per body weight, given they're between like eight and 15%. That's an, I say an average, but I, I really consider what they were doing. If someone comes to me and they are eating 400 grams a day and they're a middleweight and I tell them to bring it all the way down to 1.25, they're probably going to be like, bro, I don't trust you. <laughs> right. So I might lower it a little bit to get them to understand if I incorporate some of these other foods, you're going to feel better. And all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, they're like, Chris, I feel great. I'm like, that's because you're eating too much protein. And they're like, oh, really? Well, what if I drop a little bit more? I'm like, all right, come on, let's go. Let's add a little bit of this in there, bring protein a little bit now to get them to kind of believe it. But some people will just listen right away, but some people are a little apprehensive, especially yeah. a seasoned competitor. Mm. Um, and gym pop. <laughs> Yeah. It, it, yeah. Correct. Oh my God. Yeah. I, yeah. What do you mean? You want me to eat hundred grams of protein? Like what's wrong with you? I, and why am I eating 200 grams of carbs? I need to eat 22 grams of carbs. Yeah. Oh, the intracarb <laughs> is another one that gets me like, oh, I just can't deal with people over consume intracarbs for no reason. Like they're not feeding insulin. They're like hundred grams. I'm like, dude, you can't absorb oh, wow. sugar in six minutes. <laughs> like, come on, stop. It's nonsense. <laughs> um, but other than that, I really consider what they were doing. Most people are pretty moderate. Um, look at their GI tract to see where they are. If they come to me with an already GI mess and their protein's not already that high, I will bring it down to one gram a pound for body weight, um, increase their fats a little bit, maybe from mainly from oils, no avocados, some nut butters, and then salmon, whole eggs, and then lower the egg whites or drop the egg whites out to try to get them to feel better and then start bringing, because you know what it is, if someone's high protein, and then you lower the protein, give a bunch of carbs, you're going to get real gassy, especially if their gut microflora is a mess because their body's not used to assimilating all that fiber. So I'll try to kind of fix their gut and kind of bring their diet back up. Um, but that's kind of an average, I would say, a general rule. Before well, we leave that, just out of care, you said no avocados, no egg whites, or get off the egg whites? Yeah, so if someone's having gut problems, like, you know, I, I, instead of following a elimination diet, I more or less do a reverse elimination diet to save time. So like avocado is high in the FODMAP, especially when people become repetitive, as you guys know, bodybuilders, they're about repetition, 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 because it's easy. So they might be eating avocado with every meal, not just one meal a day. So I will remove avocado and egg whites are very high in sulfur and most people are drinking them. Um, or if they're eating egg whites, it's a whole bowl of egg whites. So I'll remove that 
replace it with like maybe uh, turkey or chicken um, and a couple whole eggs. Um, that way it's a little easier to digest and remove some of that sulfur containing food, especially if they're eating broccoli, egg whites, and they're adding garlic and onion to their foods. Um, I'll try to kind of reverse out of that and then work things back in um, instead of taking eight weeks to figure out what their problem food is. <laughs> so real quick to the average listener and then Robo hit him. Why, why should someone care about sulfur? Why are you lowering that? Uh, sulfur can make you gassy and bloated and distended, especially over a certain amount. Uh, everybody's a little different. I mean, I got no problems consuming egg whites, but I have big problems consuming garlic and onion. Um, so, like, I mean, I don't want to be gassy. I don't want to be gassy all day long. So, you know, um, sulfur containing foods are generally problematic for people. You know, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cause a lot of little gas, onion, garlic, um, and a lot of egg whites. You know, it is a couple egg, four whole eggs people can tolerate when you have a couple whole eggs and like 500 grams of egg whites people you know that's a lot of sulfur <laughs> yeah 100 i do have a question um robo robo oh no no hit scoob i'll i'll follow up okay go for it why does I, this isn't necessarily directly nutrition per se but um <clears throat> so you you obviously work with gen pop and bodybuilders yeah uh, what is your percentage do you think of your business oh 80 percent is our population Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, so that's more like me. Um, you know, I, I was more all bodybuilder and I've gone way more towards gen pop and people with weight loss resistance. So I was just curious where you were at. Um, do you find being a bodybuilder in the past makes people any hesitant to hire you as a gen pop? I don't know. Okay. And this the reason I don't know is our inquiries have steadily increased linearly over the last 10 years. Yep. So like in the majority of those inquiries are not competitors. Okay. Yep. I think because I'm a registered dietitian. Yeah. I think that is what really uh, 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 caps a lot of people. And I have an insanely good reviews on Google mm -hmm. and I've been written up by a lot of health and nutrition folks in articles and magazines as in like, if you want a good diet coach online, who's a registered dietitian who works in a population, total nutrition is the business. I've gotten an astronomical amount of inquiries from those re, uh, writings over Got the it. years. Let me uh, ask you a follow-up. Yeah. Um, so when you post any of your bodybuilding clients, do you get, so I'll get people that'll be like, Hey, you know, um, I want to work with you. You obviously have helped a lot of females with weight resistance but I'm not a bodybuilder and I don't want you to make me a bodybuilder. And it's like, yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't do that. But they see those mm -hmm. athletes still on my page. So, and I want to showcase them because I still do both. Have you ever had anything like that or not really? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. My wife for the longest time was like, you know, you need to start posting a lot of your general population clients too. I'm like, Lex, 80% of your general population clients don't want to put themselves half naked on the internet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But bodybuilders yeah. are all about that. They want to yeah. be showcased as much as possible. So just like you, like, Bodybuilding for me and helping people is it's more of a hobby and like it's this is cool I get to see and and I like you said I get to showcase the changes which is exciting for me even though I'm terrible at still posting um, but I do get those inquiries as well um, people ask questions like I want to get shredded and be lean and kind of like that but I want to compete you get a ton of those yeah. Yeah. and then of course you always get the referrals from their friends 
who's not working out with a coach taking five days to respond from a, you know, an email yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, all in all, Instagram is probably my least generator because okay. in my inquiry where it says, where'd you hear about us? Maybe 10% says Instagram. Okay. Wow. That sounds about right. I think, I think referrals go a lot further than people give me credit for. A lot of people spend a lot of time on Instagram building out content and I'm like, eh, it's doing the work with your clients and having good backends. And there's a lot oh, to 100%. it. hundred percent. Say that really actually helping 100%. people. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's my, that's my, that's my issue with like putting so much content out. Right. It's kind of like I'm spending all this time in, in my opinion, like I hate it. So it's crap content, just like creating things and teaching people what I've learned over the years, which is helpful for people, but like it's time, it's effort. But it's taking away from me taking on another client that's paying. Me taking away from me maybe spending an extra 10 minutes with a competitor posing. So it's taking away from the business I already have. So like I just don't see the value in it where I see some people pumping out an absurd amount of content. And I'm like, look at my wife. I'm like, that shit would take me like 12 hours a week to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, like, 100%. I'm sure some people spend that. <laughs> yeah. wild. Yeah. I will share as a gen pop, you know, guy yeah. under Jeff's tutelage. Yeah. Um, when people post, you know, every day in the bodybuilding business and they post paragraphs, I don't read that shit. I don't care. I don't really pay attention to the picture. I don't give a shit. Like, well, well Rubbo, what what do you like to see? Maybe that's the question. I don't really care about what I see on social media. Okay. Like, it, right. It's just not what's going to do it. It's going to go in to the gym. It's going to be the work that gets done in the gym. Does this guy know proper form? Is he actually coaching? Is he paying attention? Um, so that's, you know, for example, when I went into Iron House the first time, I didn't know Jeff from anyone, mm -hmm. um, but it was going through those first few sessions. And I was like, oh, I believe this guy. It took me a long time to buy into his nutrition side. Um, I bought into his lifting side, but that's the part that convinced me. And I don't think you would have done it with fancy Instagram posts. Yeah. Um, I think it just takes time experiment and you got to learn to trust them at least for me to jump into it. And you know, when you get clients like that, I'll be honest with you. I think they stay with you longer than what you get online through Instagram and shit like that. You're like, look at three to six months and man, dude, the first week that they get, like they gain a pound and if they do it like a second week in a row, you're getting blown up and eating the eating the shit sandwich and it's kind of like well damn you know what i mean like you're a little bit more damaged than you thought than we thought you know you got some stuff to really work on it and you don't get as much grace but in person you get a chance to really kind of like connect differently and i agree with what robo saying and that's why i always thought in-person training was going to make a comeback after covid which i think that has cleaned up a lot of the online coaching uh space a little bit where it's not as so cluttered as it used to be during 2020, in my opinion. Yeah. I will say to add that though, there, there's a huge deficit of good in-person trainers. There's a huge deficit. I mean, we've yeah. all been, you see a trainer like this dude doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yep. You know? Shit. Oh. I go to, I see it every day. Dude, <laughs> if I if I had a few more good trainers in my gym, I could really like do some damage in the city, but they're hard to find. <laughs> and you know, the space is combined with egos. And that's always really hard to manage because I always tell myself as I grow my team, is it one more ego that I really want to manage? <laughs> and so one way I've started filtering through this, so you guys can know, and then Robo, please take some questions. 
um, is always asking what does a good like does a good day look like to you? What does a bad day look like to you? And what is leadership to you? And those three things there can tell me everything I ever want to know about working with someone on my team now. Because they will give you, because they don't know what to say. If they can't tell me what a good day is, then odds are they don't have many of those. <laughs> I, you know, being honest, man, if someone's always yep. fucking seeing clouds. I don't want to be around that shit. I'm 43. I got 17 more good years in me before something probably catastrophic and I'm drooling out of a corner of my mouth and shitting out of bag. Oh, so, you know, and then it then it's cocaine and heroin until I go out the door. But anyway, Robo, what questions do you have, my man? You better make it past 60. I know. Yeah, Shit. it's all the the drugs he's shooting up, and that's nothing to do with. I the trust drugs. everything from China, Robo. You leave me alone, damn. Whatever you say, man. <laughs> Chris, uh, do you use keto? And if so, you know how do you use that Good in question. your practice? Good question. Um, honestly, never, never really. It, there's a rare circumstances that I I might implement it to like regain someone's insensitivity really fast. Yeah. they're really chubby. And like, they're like, I want to do a show. I'm like, dude, you don't have time to do a show. And they're like, I want to do a show no matter what it takes. I might start the first four to six weeks on like zero carb and then bring the carbs back in. Um, But generally I don't, I just don't, I I just haven't seen it personally, like really good results, a high percent of the time to justify using it on a regular basis. Hmm. I mean, I found more benefit lowering protein at certain points in a prep and giving them carbohydrates back yeah. and watching them just accelerate with training performance. They're yeah. burning more calories, they have more energy, they're getting harder, they're getting grainier. And they're like, dude, you drop 50 grams of protein yeah. and give them 75 grams of carbs. And they're like, I'm eating way less protein in the off season. I'm on low calories and I feel way better. I'm like, dude, because it just, that's not what your body needed right now. And mm-hmm. now if you have more energy, you're going to move more. You move more, you can expend more. And then now your mood's better, you feel better, you're going to sleep better. And then it's just, you know, I, I find more benefit in that regard than going the guard of, you know, let's get rid of all the carbs and let's bring the fats up there and get somebody adapted. I mean, I've been on keto before under acido um, for a particular show that my body wasn't responding. And did I feel great? Yeah. Did I look great? No, you know, and um, it just didn't work out at all versus the time that I died with carbs all the way through. So I, don't I, steal I don't Jason's use it. thunder here, but What's I that? will say, I was, I was going to say, I'm not going to steal your thunder here, but we talked about this last week Yeah, and in situations where people are like weight loss resistant, there's this 100% I use it. They're not bodybuilders. Yeah, not, not on bodybuilders. I've done it with Jim pop. And so is Jason. We switch them into keto for a bit and it like literally unlocks them. And then you can just fly with carbs. Yeah. Again like, after yeah a regain bit. the into resistance. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but a lot exactly. of them, it's almost they're not they're burning sugar for fuel and not burning fat as fuel was the whole theory behind it. Like uh we could talk offline on this because we already went down that rabbit hole, but uh it's a very interesting one on the back end if you want to hear about it. Yeah, it's a useful tool. I'm like oh, listen, 100%. I, I'm hundred percent with it. And like I said, if some jump start somebody's fat loss and they're very insulin resistant, it works great. Um, but like you guys mentioned, it's bodybuilding, you know, towards especially oh. in this no go. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. In bodybuilding, uh, occasionally, well, occasionally, but I don't. I definitely don't. Don't use yeah. it. Much. We used it during my prep this year. Ryan didn't respond for a few weeks, and then I started moving. And then and back, moving, and went we back. Went back. Yeah. Uh, Robo, you got another one you want to throw in before I do, and then Jason or Jason, you go, and then me. Let Robo, Robo. I, I, I mean, I'll formulate something here. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm super curious when you get those folks who come in general population, we're not talking bodybuilders. What are the, um, the most common things that they have going? Like, what do you see in society or the biggest negative trends that people have health wise or the biggest negative beliefs that you're overcoming on day one? Other family, because a lot of the time someone's success is going to be dependent on their environment. Um, you know, if somebody comes from an obese family, the percent, the chance of them becoming, you know, successfully losing the weight permanently is almost zero uh, mm-hmm. in a family with obese people. So I really have to do a lot of talk about, honestly, their friends, their gathering. What do you guys do on the weekends? Oh, we go hometown buffet. We eat with my friends and then we go to ice cream after. It's like they're changing their whole social circle, their whole structure. And they get a lot of uh, resistance from their friends and their family. So a lot of them are not prepared for the amount of negativity they get with a positive change they make in their life, which ultimately makes them feel guilty and then they stop. Um, so that's a, a big push. And the other one is obviously carbohydrates. They're like, I get white rice in my diet. I get pasta in my diet. I'm like, yeah, because it's part of your 150 carbs a day. That's what you can eat. Oh, I thought it's fattening. You know, people have that perception like, yeah. Eat bread. I mean, yeah, of course you eat bread. It's like fifteen carbs, fifteen carbs. You know, like general weight loss. So that's those are the two biggest ones with that. You know, like environment is is so important. And then two is breaking their small little beliefs on that. But they're usually very perceptive with it. As soon as you start in the first couple of weeks, they're like, "Oh, I feel great, and I'm eating the things that I love." Yeah, it's crazy how many friends you lose when you stop drinking, you stop going out to eat <laughs> shitty places. They weren't real friends. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really circle gets way smaller as you get older. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. You know, what's really funny. I was shocked. Uh, I was in college in Tampa for a short period to see if I wanted to go to school and finish my last two years in Tampa. And I roomed with this buddy, my buddy from, he was from Puerto Rico. He's actually a doctor now, long story short. But when I met him, he, you know, he's a little heavier set. He like lifting weights, loves eating. And he sees me measuring all my food. And hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just measuring my food. You know, like I, you know, I, I monitor, I eat. He's like, okay, that's cool. Want to go train? Never said anything ever again. We go to Boston Market. I'm like peeling the skin off my chicken and and portioning this. Nothing negativity. He's like, bro, you need that skin. Eats my uh-huh. skin. But uh-huh. like one of those people that like didn't feel uncomfortable being around what I did. Didn't yeah. ask questions. Didn't judge. Wasn't busting my balls. He's like, whatever, dude. Tuttle, Tuttle does. Who cares? And then, but we would go other places, meet other people, and I'd immediately get pointed out. Oh, you brought your own food. And my buddy Manny be like, yeah, who, who fucking cares? You know, some people yeah. do, some people don't, you know? We were at the beach, what was it, four weeks ago and looked around one day and tried to find people who weren't obese. And I think we spotted three yeah. in the entire yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah, we were out there it's, for like three hours. Yeah. Oh, dude, the negativity you get for being fit is real. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. They look at you, you're like, oh, you must be a juiced out asshole. You know, <laughs> you can't be smart and in good shape either. That's just no. not allowed anymore. Yeah. yeah. Right. What are your thoughts on peri-workout nutrition? You brought up something earlier about your intracarb conversation. So I'm curious about that. And then Scoob, if you got one and then Robo, and then we'll clean it up and finish this one. Um. Yeah. So like you get some people that come to me and they're consuming like 50 to 100 grams of fast distant carbohydrates in their intra-workout and then another 200 grams in their post-workout. It's it's so unnecessary. It's like you're trying to control body fat in the off season. You're trying to control spikes in insulin and they're not even using insulin or you're trying to maintain insulin sensitivity. It's just not required for 45 minute arm workout. 
Like I, I just don't understand people's thought process of getting too extreme when it comes to loading the amount of carbohydrates around around training. Should carbohydrates be centered on training? Do I believe that? Yes, I do, but not to the extreme that some people take it. Right where you got 300 grams of protein around your training and then zero carbs rest of the day. I I don't buy into that. I, I don't like that. So like in for my realm, I generally like to have carbohydrates in most meals specifically the last meal of the day to help with sleep, calm, being relaxed, not going to bed hungry or having cravings. And then more carbohydrates be centered around pre, intra and post, but nothing to an extreme amount where, you know, you remember the days of like slamming a bunch of waxy maze and then like mm-hmm. an hour and a half after training, you're like falling asleep. I don't want people feeling that way. You know, I want people to have good glycemic control and monitor their overall energy balance of their weight and their body composition week to week. That, so that's what gets me. And I, and I, I try to lower their carbohydrate sometimes. And they're like, wait, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go catabolic or it's not going to fuel me. I'm like, bro, you have 600 grams of carbs in your entire day. You excluding out 20 grams of carbs in your intra, it better not make a difference because if it does, you got a problem. And it's probably more psychological than anything, more placebo. It's good. What do you got in that robo? Well, you know, this is a little not necessarily nutrition guided either, but I'm just curious, um, what's your biggest bodybuilding accomplishment? And then, you know, you had some pretty good placings, I thought, and then you kind of just were done. Like, what made you kind of call it? It seemed like you had a little more left in the tank. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, best accomplishment. And then how did you know you were just kind of done with putting it on stage? Because you're obviously staying in really good shape and you could pretty much probably, you know, get back on at any point in time. But um, um so I, I guess going back to I stopped bodybuilding for a period of time to finish my schooling, internship, etc. I got bored, did a strongman competition. Then I'm like, man, that was fun. Let's let's, let's enter a bodybuilding show like 11 weeks later. And that's when I won the overall at Cutler. And then I won another overall a week after. And then I was like, you know what? I gotta get on my life and do something else. So I'll do one more national i'll try a national um uh, pro qualifier uh just once and then hang it up and then i end up getting fifth at north americans and while i was like oh that's weird i never thought i would ever be in the top 10 even in a national uh, pro qualifier so then i did nationals npc nationals three months later with recommendation of my buddy evan my coach at the time fockery and steve weinberger and then i ended up winning in which was probably my best accomplishment because i never thought i would it was never one of those things. You know, some people are like, dude, I'm going to win. Or they've been barking at the door for a long time. They're getting close. Like that was my first year's attempt as a pro qualifier. And I got fifth and then I won. Right. And I never even thought that would be possible. Even the nationals I was like, man, I'm just hoping for top five. Yeah. And then when they immediately called me in the second place off after two poses, they go, you two step back, but don't go anywhere. I was like, holy shit, this is real. So that was probably the most meaningful my best placing as a pro was fifth place at New York pro is a 212. Um, um, and then after that, man, injuries, okay. injuries plagued me and obviously ended up focusing more on my business. You know how it goes. As soon as you start really hyper-focusing your business, it starts taking away from your own training and it takes away from your own training because you don't move. If you don't move, you lose mobility, you lose mobility, you lose function. Then you train properly. Then your knees hurt and your back hurts. Then all of a sudden you tear a hamstring. And then it's just, that's my years were for a long time. Um, I do regret. I do have a lot of regrets because I do feel that all that time passed. I was wasting my youth. 
mm-hmm. um, and my ability to do it. And now when I train, it's just like, I don't know how you guys feel, but to me, it's what I can feel like I can do that day. It's got, it's not even close to what my muscles can tolerate or my brain can tolerate just my soft tissues. Like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Some days I can lift significantly heavier with good repetitions and good weight rep control. And some days I'm at half the weight because I hurt. So that's kind of it, man. Um, it, that It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I have to accept it. You know, I left motocross happy. You know, I turned professional. I got to ride with guys, race with guys that had my autograph on the wall. That was good enough for me. And I walked away from that happy. I didn't necessarily walk away from bodybuilding happy. Um, yeah. And it is what it is. I like staying in shape. I like boxing. I box now. Um, and you now I can always just be an in-shape 40-year-old. <laughs> I feel Robo, like- what do you got to wrap up? Yeah, so you mentioned not taking a real vacation, you know, until recently in the last seven years. Um, talk a little bit about what that did for your mindset. Did you feel more energized overall? Is it something you're going to be more intentional about going forward? You know, it's like the whole process. My dad's a workaholic. My dad's a physician. My dad's always been a machine in my eyes. So, like, you know, I, he kept warning me. He said, dude, you're going to burn yourself out working as many hours as you do. You don't take any breaks. You just work, work, work seven days a week. I remember one year, my wife and I worked, I think six and a half months straight. We went to 28 consecutive bodybuilding shows oh, week after week. And then like I said to my wife, I'm like, dude, this isn't worth it. We made the most money we ever made that year by a landslide. But I'm like, this isn't worth it. And, um, and I kept saying to myself, I'm not burnt out because I believe being burnt out was a mindset. It's a belief. Because I've heard people say they get yeah. burnt out working a 40 hour week. I'm like, yeah. dude, are you serious? I work 40 hours a week in like two days. And mm-hmm. um, so I kept saying to myself, dude, it's just a mindset. Don't be a pussy. Just keep pushing forward. And then eventually I'm start, I was starting to realize that like I was getting, I was forgetting things, leaving my house without locking the door, getting the boxing gym, forgetting my boxing bag. I'm like, what the hell? And then I'm like, dude, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ease off, you know, as much as I'm sleeping and I'm doing everything. I'm in line in this schedule. My brain is not keeping up with that load. Um, so I kind of like had to start to back off. And that's why I told you guys in the podcast that my perspective on work versus free time is drastically changed in the last two years. And after this vacation, it did make me realize, honestly, how much I was missing. Because listen, guys, I know all of you remember when you're younger and you have like the belly laughs, you're laughing with your buddies. You're laughing so hard you can't breathe. And we used to do that on a regular basis in college and in high school. But as an adult, that slowly diminishes. And then when you're so hyper-focused on accomplishing, 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 you start to become this person, this serious person, because you have to, to be able to deal with the fatigue, the stress, manage your clients. Then you almost forget that type of laughter, that type of fun. So Mm -hmm. in hindsight, in Hawaii, like being with our best friends, the laughs we had just dicking around being free. It almost felt like I was a kid again. And I'm like, dude, I need more of that in my life. Obviously it's not something we can do every day, but I can plan for more things like dig a weekend getaway, you know, with my wife and my friends um, spend more time where before I would be like, no, I can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. You know? So I'm much more um, on that, on, on that side of the fence now. That's a good point about the belly laughs. You know, I don't think I've ever thought of it from that perspective, but 
one of the things I miss the most about college, and I had a lot of fucking fun in college, was it like we'd come into the, the the mess hall, whatever you want to call it, and get our food at 5 p.m. All your friends would sit at the same table, crack jokes, and we'd sit there for two hours. Like, I miss that seven days a week. You know what I mean? Like, it was awesome. And you just don't realize at the time how amazing it is. And like I said, I did a lot of great shit, but that's one of the things I miss the most. It's just being able to like end of the day, sit there with your friends and just crack jokes and laugh about the dumb shit they did over the weekend. You did shit they saw. Um, so yeah, you know, I get that too. It's a good point. Because now we're always like, I gotta be out of here in 30 minutes. I gotta oh, be 100%. Yeah. 100%. But like that feeling of freedom. And it's like, I have a lot of, my neighborhood's awesome. And I have a lot of awesome neighbors. And um, one of my neighbors just bought like a mini dirt bike. And I'm like, dude, that looks like so much fun. And it's a chick. She comes over and she's like, dude, check out this thing. She puts a pipe on it. She's ripping down the street. I'm like, let me see that thing. Mm-hmm. And I start carrying up and down the street. And I'm like, this is so much fun. But, but <laughs> I got to get back to work. And then I get back inside. I'm like, she's out there screwing around, having fun on a Friday evening. And I'm in here at work at like 9 p.m. I'm like, and that, but what's funny is after this, I'm actually going to buy that bike. Yeah. <laughs> I have an appointment in about 45 minutes. I'll have the nice. great and go go pick that thing up because I need more fun in my life. <laughs> I, like it. I like it. My first of all, thank you for joining us today. After you get done answering these questions, I'll turn it to you to tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, hit you up for business, if you do mentorships, class, anything like that. But my last, it's kind of two questions. One is if there's Gem Pop person listening. What is one piece of nutrition advice you'd want them to take from this episode that could really help them that you believe would really help them? And the second one being, if I was wanting to be a nutrition coach, where would I start knowing what you know now? Um, if it's general population, the first number one thing is to do is to establish a plan that is sustainable for you. Do not choose a plan based on the fastest results in a short period of time, because I can assure you, you're going to fail in the long run. You might lose weight for three months, six months, a year, but after that year, you're most likely to gain all that weight back. Statistics have shown that over and over again. So sustainability and making changes within your lifestyle that you can grasp um, over a long period of time, that's the name of the game. You're not going to pick a career where you're going to make hundred K for only two years. And then you're gonna make nothing after that. Right? So you want to find a job that's secure, diet that's secure that you'd be able to sustain for a long period of time. Um, Out of all the resources that I'm aware of, I'm pretty good friends with John Jewett. Um, J3 University, I took it when it first came out. I'm always somebody that likes to learn as much as I can for everybody. Um, And that was a very extensive in regards to the preparation aspect of things. And it does have a lot of background and good solid information, nothing too extreme. And that would probably be the first place I would go to. However, it might be a little advanced for some people who don't know anything. Um, the other resources I've had other people is Lane, some of Lane Norton's books. Um, but then again, say, guys, like there's a lot of resources out there I must, might not be aware of. Um, I just know John because I, I know John and I, I've, I've known his course. So that's the experience I have. But I'm sure there's other courses out there. Um, but it was very extensive. And, and that's it. And for people who try to be a coach, just be patient. Don't quit your day job right away. Start doing it on the side and then continuously build over time. And then once you're making the same amount of money, you are coaching with your work, then you can cut the cord and go on your way. But just be prepared to be prepared, be prepared to manage all your taxes <laughs> and then buying your own uh, health insurance, which is not fun as a self-employed person. 
I have many stories with that, but because all the crappy insurance that you're going to buy that's reasonably priced, no good doctors take it. <laughs> I guess what you're trying to say is don't get a nutrition degree, right? <laughs> uh, well, I tell you, know, it's funny. I get that question a lot. Chris, I want to be an RD. I want to do what you do. I'm like, well, well slow, slow, pump the brakes. If you want to do what I'm doing, you want to become a coach. If you're looking for a potential job secured in the long run where coaching might not be something you want to do, then go the nutrition degree because no matter what happens, I can get an RD job at a hospital, long-term care, dialysis clinic. I can do a lot with my RD. I'm not going to be making tons of money, but I will have job security. I'll have good benefits at the hospital, et cetera. Um, but it's not something that's required by any means to be a coach. And if you're looking to be a coach, it's probably not the route to take at all. You're going to be in a lot of debt. It's a lot of work. I mean, my internship was 1300 hours of unpaid work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a ton, you know? And it's a year, right? If not more? Yeah, it was a year. It was, uh, mine was the longest. Mine, I think, was 13 months. Um, yeah, there you go. I did mine on Stony Brook University Hospital in Long Island. Um, but yeah, some of them hey, were- Chris, what is it about roughly to go to RD school? Just roughly. I mean, I know you don't know exactly, but what, do you know about what it costs? Okay, so for example, to be an RD, you have to have your bachelor's in nutrition yep. and dietetics. Okay, that's your major. And then once you get out, then you have to go and get accepted into a dietetic internship. Mm-hmm. So the internship, sometimes they might pay a stipend, would be like $300 a week you pay for food, but they don't give you lodging. So think about it. You have to be spending, like my RD, my internship didn't really cost anything once you get accepted. It's the lodging, the food, the gas, the travel. So basically you might be incomeless for a year, that you have to pay to live um, or if you're going to be working at the same time. But I know now they have a lot of um, accelerated programs where it is, I believe your last year and a partial internship and then internship will uh, overlap your last year. So it's not like, you know, you're still in college, but it's extensive. Like you're working 40 hours a week as the internship and going to college full-time, I mean, and going to internship full-time, which doesn't always work because my internship was basically working as a dietitian for free in multiple different facets, you know, dialysis clinic, um, long-term care, intensive care, uh, oncology, gastroenterology, working 40 hours a week as a dietitian for free. So you're, because you're going through everything, getting the experience, et cetera, and getting taught. You have like a, um, chaperone that oversees all your work so it's a lot of money it's a it's a big time investment and you know i in personal opinion i tell people if you're looking to make money you want job security be a physician's assistant right now you know you know be an aprn don't be a dietitian unless that's I'm hiring the- them left and right for my hormone clinic and they make a good rip and they work from home and they got jobs yeah security, yeah. So. yeah and they don't have to go to school to be a do- like a doctor does you know yeah, yeah. Chris, where can everybody find you at, follow you at? Do you do any mentorships, any master classes, anything um, that's super I, sexy? I, you know, it's funny. It's guys like I, I really just love answering emails of my clients. I thought about doing mentorship, but I, I don't do any mentorship. Um, I do have a posing module I did create that's in my link tree, in my bio, my Instagram. I did go over. It was four and a half hours of posing that I condensed down, um, breaks every po- every basic pose from the ground up for bodybuilding and classic for a lot of those beginners that don't want to spend $150 for a posing coach. 
to teach them how to do quarter turns. You know, you could purchase that and learn all the ins and outs of all the posing and different body types and structures. Um, drinkmore.com is a water enhancer similar to Mio, but ours tastes better. We have sweet tea and iced tea. Uh, has a little bit of mineral component in there to help hydration, but not enough. We have to worry about over-consuming them, of course, if you put it in your gallon of water all day long. Um, my website's totalnutrition.com. You can find me on Instagram as chrisTuttle.rd. And I have a Total Nutrition IG page as well that I post my clients, which I'm very bad at. Um, like I said, guys, I post what I can, but I spend most of my time just doing my emails, answering clients, et cetera. Feel that. 100%. Well, Chris, thanks for taking the time to join us today, man. We really appreciate it. It's yeah, I really appreciate it. Fun little combo, man. Have yourself a great Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Peace. Thank you very much. Later, guys.